Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day World Cup podcast live from Qatar with me, Sam Matterface, alongside TalkSport's Alex Crook and the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis. Every day when you get up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup where we give you all of the reviews and the previews of what's upcoming. So today's top story, Saudi Arabia end Argentina's 36-game unbeaten run with one of the all-time World Cup shots. It was jaw-dropping. Uh, holders France get off to a winning start. Four European heavyweights are in action later today. Lots and lots of added time, not on this pod, just in the games. And Cristiano Ronaldo will start this World Cup as a free agent after ripping up his Manchester United contract. It's all on the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. First game of the day is with us right here and right now. And yet today, when all things are being equal, it may well be Saudi Arabia's day. Romero on the edge of the six-yard area. The shot comes in. Oh, it's a goal! And it's a wonderful goal! What a terrific strike it is from Salim Al-Dazri! And Saudi Arabia are in front. Whistle to the lips of the referee. And there is the final whistle. Argentina have beaten the greatest day in Saudi Arabian football in history. Argentina one, Saudi Arabia two. In towards Andreas Christians and heads it go as it's off the post. Denmark inches away from taking the lead. Ericsson puts it back into the area. And it ends in the Education City Stadium. Denmark nil, Tunisia nil. He winds up, he runs forward, right-footed, saved by Ochoa! What a stop! The rebound is cleared once, twice, three times! It has finished on TalkSport, Mexico nil, Poland nil. Cross to the far post, Giroud! 4-1! Brilliant work from Mbappe! And Olivier Giroud moves on to 51 French goals! Gentlemen, hello. First of all, just a quick hello. Um, we're short uh, podcasts uh, on these World Cup days, so we won't labour too long on, on what you've been up to over the last 24 hours or so. But Crook's been partying with a, uh American DJ dance superstar. I can't believe this. Could you explain? Uh, yeah, basically myself and uh, and Dean Ashton were invited along to the to the Budweiser launch party, uh, one of the very nice hotels uh, in the centre of Doha. And uh, yeah, Jason Derulo did a little cameo, uh, probably only about half an hour 
Uh, I'd like to know how much he was paid for that half an hour. But do you know what? Considering I didn't know who he was before I got there, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he didn't know who Jason Derulo was. Bearing in mind, he introduces every song that he releases with the words, Jason Derulo. So you know that it's his song. That's what he does. Um, so you parted hard into the night. Well done. Um, Darren, you've had a good week. Oh, fantastic week. I was at the Saudi game in the morning to see uh, Messi score, Messi lose, um, and the Saudis celebrate. And then in the evening, I was at the France game to see Mbappe score, Mbappe win, and Mbappe set goals up for Olivier Giroud as well. Fantastic day. Yeah, it was an amazing day, wasn't it? Um, it, it was just it was jaw-dropping. I was lucky enough to be at the Lusail Stadium uh, to watch Saudi Arabia against uh, Argentina. But I nearly wasn't because when I left the stadium, it's the first live game that I was doing for ITV um, at the tournament after I did the England highlights on Monday. So um, we got on the bus at around about what, 9, 9.30 um, to go for a one o'clock kickoff. Was it a one o'clock kickoff? Yes, I think it was. Anyway, um, and we uh, there was me, it was Graham Sunes, it was Roy Keane, uh, Lee Dixon, um, Joe Cole, we bundled onto the bus and uh, the driver says, yeah, okay, it's only 12 minutes from my hotel to the LaSalle Stadium. After about 20 minutes, I thought, well, it's not right. It's not going. Is there a lot of traffic or something like that? Anyway, didn't really think too much about it. I'm not going to speak up amongst all of those alpha males and start discussing where we're driving to. All of a sudden, we pull up at the stadium and the driver says, yes, we're here. You can get out now. And I said, hold on a second. <laughs> this is not the right stadium. <laughs> we were in Education City at the other end of Doha. <laughs> we had to turn around very swiftly and get down the motorway and, and head back to Loose Tail. And we only just made it by the skin of our teeth. It was it was it was harrowing. And as you can imagine, with Sunes and Keane both in the same fun bus. It was quite tense for a moment. Actually, the boys handled it very, very well. They handled it very, very well. Um, right, let's talk about that game. Look, I mean, what a pleasure it was to be at this game. Um, if you wanted a little bit of Middle Eastern flavour, you certainly got it when you walked into the South Stadium yesterday. I mean, it's a terrific stadium. I mean, it really is a, a beautiful stadium. There's a lot of questions about, you know, how it was how it was built and where it, the funding was uh, came from. But it was a... An, an amazing arena to watch Saudi Arabia come back from 1-0 down to beat Argentina on the football field itself. I mean, I was lucky enough to be calling this moment for ITV. And when I woke up this morning, I, I, I sort of said at the end of the game, well, I did say at the end of the game, you know, this game will be referred to in the same breath as USA, England 72 years ago, Cameroon, Argentina 1990, Senegal, France 2002, Spain, Switzerland 2020. Um, and I looked through the World Cup shocks this morning. A couple of the papers did like, was this the biggest World Cup shock of all time? And in the Telegraph, they had that as number one. I don't know whether it is. You can't really contextualise it. It's subjective. But it is one of the biggest ever World Cup shocks, isn't it? Saudi Arabia, 53rd in the world, beating Argentina. I think it's potentially the biggest. Um, bearing in mind that a lot of people, including me, have tipped Argentina to go and win the tournament. Obviously, Saudi Arabia, no great expectations on them. And actually, I commentated uh, one of the games later in the day, which wasn't great, uh, between Denmark and Tunisia. But I said during my commentary, today feels like the day the World Cup has really kicked into gear. You know, it needed it needed a, a statement result on the pitch, uh, I think, to detract from all the noises off the pitch. And certainly, 
Saudi Arabia with their second half performance did that. But I've got to admit, when I was looking at the Argentinian team um, and I saw Emi Martinez, who's not been in great form for a long time now for Aston Villa, and Otamendi, I'm not saying that I expect them to lose to Saudi Arabia, but I did wonder if my 20 quid bet on Argentina might go to waste. Um, it was interesting because um, as soon as the game finished, the, the celebrations were wild. There was a huge number of Saudis, as Darren will know and attest to, in the stadium itself. There's a whole sea of green behind one of the goals. The goal that actually they scored two terrific goals in. The finishes were of the highest quality. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the public holiday announced tomorrow in uh, Saudi following the win. Um, they're, they're celebrating wildly on the streets of uh, Riyadh. Uh, let's hear from the Saudi boss, Herv Renard, who said that the stars aligned for his side on Tuesday. We prepare very well. And today, uh, to resume, uh, all the stars in the sky were on the same line for us. But don't forget Argentina, still a fantastic team. They came here without uh, losing any game since uh, 36 games. They, they are South American champion. They have an amazing player, but this is football. Sometimes it can happen, things uh, completely crazy. Look, we've got to move on because we've got so much to look forward to and look back on. But a quick word on Argentina. Um, they obviously come up against a team who played a really high, aggressive line. And it looked as if they were going to get in all day. But for whatever reason, they just didn't time those runs, those passes correctly, Darren. Why were Argentina so off kilter? Well, I think that the Saudis were young and energetic uh, and the Argentina team, they've got a fantastic forward line and the way that they're constructed is so that Messi doesn't have to do any defensive work. They, they do all of that work behind him. They free him up to do what he does best. They're missing La Chelsea, who's been good in terms of being a link man between that midfield and uh, Messi. Uh, but also what I saw yesterday, and it's quite interesting that Crook mentioned Emi Martinez because he has actually been key to this 36 game unbeaten run. You know, Messi's happy with him in gold, has paid tribute to him many times to his performances, and he's really established himself as a number one. I don't necessarily blame him. I blame that defense in front of him because they're slow, they're aging. And, uh, you know, okay, Christian Romero's still in his 20s, but I think Otamendi wasn't good enough for Manchester City. Um, at fullback, they've always had a problem, uh, the Argentines. And I think a really fast, energetic, defensively disciplined side were able to take advantage. And Herb Renard, people forget this guy's won the AFCON, the Africa Cup of Nations, twice, twice. with different teams. He knows how to get potential to actually realise the belief, you know, he, he knows how to sort of put belief into teams to fulfil their potential. I think it was a stunning win. And I think, it, just one last very quick thing, I think just like Cameroon in 1990, when they were the gateway to Nigeria and the Ivory Coast and Senegal and the other African teams, I think this is the biggest shock because this is a moment for the region. And I think other Arab teams now will start to rise with the investment over here. We're seeing a new order being born in world football with the rise of the Middle Eastern countries now. Um, the reaction in Argentina obviously hasn't been um, understated. <laughs> a catastrophe, said Victor Hugo Morales, a well-known uh, journalist uh, on his radio show yesterday. From the couch to the cornice, <laughs> an inexplicable team that became a ghost, says La Nation. 
Uh, emotional overflow and nightmare, bank it, but always not lost. They lost against Cameroon, as you mentioned, in 1990 and then went on uh, to the final. Um, I will just say quickly on this game before we, we go, I, I wonder whether or not it's anything to do with the fact that whilst many of the teams are luxuriating in wonderful hotels, the Argentines are staying at Qatar University in student hall residences um yeah. and and that that can't be comfortable there's two to a room <laughs> I mean, Otamendi and Paredes are sharing the room next to Messi who does have his own room that's the one bit of luxury uh, that they mm. have uh let's move on to France against Australia victory for France after going behind early on there was a bit of a scare for them um they looked to uh I mean it was it was quite fascinating actually watching uh France uh, start the game quite slowly and then all of a sudden kicking to gear and they were they were very very good Olivier Giroud scoring two goals he always turns up for France well done to them we won't spend too much time talking about them because they have some of the best players in the world and we know just how good they are but um Denmark Tunisia was a bit of a disappointment Crook was doing that um and I think I was listening to your commentary actually on my way back um which was a simple route we went from stadium straight to hotel um (laughs) Um, it, it was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? But Tunisia played very well. Yeah, they did. Um, they had a player in midfield, Leiduni, who um, absolutely smashed into Christian Eriksen down by the corner flag with about 16 seconds on the clock. And then he sort of punched his chest to the Tunisian fans. And that really set the tone. I've got to say, the Tunisian fans made a, a fantastic backdrop. They far outnumbered their, their Danish counterparts. And as much as it wasn't a great game on the pitch, um, it was a great occasion, certainly in the stands. But it was funny because I was speaking to um, a Danish journalist at our hotel, the Danish journalist who was obviously uh, stopped on camera uh, by Qatari officials. And he was saying that he was a bit worried about Denmark and the state of mind of the players going into this game because obviously they have been one of the trailblazers when it comes to human rights. They've got the the, the toned down kits where the badge and kit manufacturer uh, are pretty much blacked out. Um, they were one of the nations who wanted to wear the rainbow armband. I spoke to Simon Kerr after the game about that. He described FIFA's decision to ban it as ridiculous and was quite outspoken on that. And also, they haven't travelled the Danish fans in the numbers that we would usually, usually associate with them at a World Cup or a European Championship. And I do wonder if that just affected the mindset of the players. Certainly, the atmosphere did. They struggled to cope with the intensity off the pitch. And I think they struggled to cope with the intensity on it as well. Having said that, it still took a wonderful save from the Chilean goalkeeper to deny Christian Eriksen what would have been a real fairy tale goal. Yes, um, and there was that wonderful moment right at the end where a penalty, which was never a penalty, uh, looked to be about to be awarded and the referee managed to summon the courage of his convictions, look at the monitor and say, no, I am not going to do as you instruct. Uh, Mexico nil. Poland nil. Poland missed the chance to take advantage of Argentina's loss. In fact, Mexico and Argentina both missed chances to to take advantage of uh, Argentina's loss. I was kind of hoping that Mexico would win just because I'm doing Argentina-Mexico on Saturday and I thought that that would be like a shootout. Uh, Then maybe Argentina would have to come to life because otherwise they would go out of the tournament if they didn't win. Uh, But Guillermo Ochoa, Darren, what a man. What a goalkeeper. Mm. Five World Cups now and he comes up with a penalty save in the first game of this tournament from uh, Robert Lewandowski. And by the way, it wasn't the greatest penalty in the world. It wasn't the worst penalty in the world either, but it was a terrific save. And I think in tournaments like this, you need leaders, and Ochoa is absolutely a leader. 
because he calms the players down around him. He commands his box superbly well. And in moments like that, he comes up with big saves. Really disappointed with Lewandowski because you would have thought at that moment, with that pressure, if there was anybody who could handle it, it would be him. But instead, they blow a big chance. And now there's every chance that Argentina could get back on the horse and take control of the group again. Yeah, it did sort of take a long time to take the penalty, didn't it? It took um, an age before he addressed the ball and then eventually went and struck it. So I wonder if that played with his mind. But he has never scored a goal at the World Cup. And I think that's another thing that maybe was playing on his consciousness. Uh, Right, let's look ahead to uh, Wednesday's action because there is a huge amount of action on TalkSport, including Belgium against Canada, Spain against Costa Rica, Morocco against Croatia and Germany against Japan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yusuf and Naziri has scored a superb header to give Morocco the league. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Luka Modric to decide it, surely. A right-footed drive from 25 yards out. Havertz touches it in. And Havertz finally has a goal for Germany. Goalkeeper in the middle, couldn't reach it. They've scored. Japan regained the lead. Towards the far post, Morata brings it down. And he sent a left-footed body crashing into the corner. And the Costa Ricans are going wild. And who can blame them? Finding Dries Mertens inside the area. Trying to tip De Bruyne at the edge of the D. Oh, what a goal. Kevin De Bruyne seals it. We might have a chance. Alfonso Davies. 4-2. And the left back up from the back to rifle in a goal. Well, the first game on Wednesday is Morocco against Croatia. That's live on TalkSport 2. Croatia finalists last time out. A few veterans still lingering around there. Um, I don't think it's the most uh, entertaining game on paper, but it could be quite uh, exciting by the time it starts at uh, 10 o'clock London time. Um, Ziyech and Hakimi, the standouts probably from Morocco. Moroccan football is, is exploding. The local... Um, players and the the appetite for football in that country is absolutely huge, as it is in Tunisia. And we saw how good they could be yesterday. So it'd be interesting to see if Croatia, who are you know at their sixth World Cup tournament, 
the runners up don't usually go out early, but you never know. Um, cope with the, the threat that Morocco face. I'm doing Germany versus Japan, and Darren, Germany coming into this World Cup under the radar, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've got a young side. They've got a coach in Hansi Flick who knows how to win it. He was assistant to Joachim Löw when he did that uh, 20, in 2014. Uh, they've got a good fast forward line. Sane, Gnabry, uh, uh, Kai Havertz in there as well. Uh, and they've got experienced players because all of those players, even though they're relatively young, mid-20s and younger, they've been involved in big matches and been decisive in big matches as well. Uh, Rudiger at the back obviously gives them a lot of strength. Gundogan in midfield gives them a lot of class. I think they've got a great chance. But I think if you underestimate Japan, and that's the wonderful thing about this World Cup, you know, the clash of styles of cultures. It's the reason why I've loved it ever since I was a kid. And this looks like being another match that I just wonder if some people might look at the superpower, look at the underdog and think this is a walkover. I don't think it will be. Uh, Germany without Leroy Sané, actually, because he's injured and he's not going to play in this game in particular, but um, it will be a massive part of their squad going forward. It's a big blow for them today, but they've got others, as you've already mentioned, Musiala, um, Gnabry, that just absolutely uh, have the rapid pace to trouble any back line. Japan think that Germany can be caught on the counter-attack and they've got some exciting players as well, including... Mitoma, who's had a meteoric rise over the last uh, six months or so, uh, not only just coming into the J- Japan team, but also uh, emerging in the Brighton side as well and doing very well in the Premier League. It's fascinating to read that, you know, when they hosted the World Cup in 2002, Japan, they had just four players playing abroad. 19 of the 26 now play away from Japan, most of them in Europe, a lot in Belgium and in, in, in Germany, a couple in Spain and, and a couple in the Premier League as well. And that diaspora of, of talent has meant that the level has been elevated from Japan as well. Do they have any chance of humbling Germany? What was that word you threw in before I answer that question? Yes, very good. Do you know what it means? Uh, no, I, I take it it means lots of talent. <laughs> No, it means the, the spreading of a population across another territory or, or, or in this case, the globe. So it means like you know, you're Japanese, but you're, there's lots of Japanese all over the world. And that's the Japanese diaspora. OK, there you go. You've educated it's, it's, it's me. It's an education lesson. Look at that. Um, Look at that. <laughs> I think they do have a chance. I'll go into when I, when I end up leaving the commentary, uh, the booth. I'll go into teaching. <laughs> I think they do have a chance. I think Darren's dead right. I, I, I don't think you can underestimate Japan. I'm not entirely convinced by Germany, um, even with the, the, the talent that you've just mentioned. And I think in Matoma, they do have a genuine breakout star, someone who can exploit their deficiencies in terms of hitting on the counter-attack. So I wouldn't be surprised. And this is going to be, what, is this my first bowl claim of the tournament? I think Japan can get a result here. Oh, interesting. Um, I think Germany are going to be one of those teams that, end up emerging as a real contender for this World Cup. And I think the same with Spain. And the reason I think that is because I believe a European nation will win this World Cup. I said that when we did the big preview piece uh, at uh, the Samsung Hub. Um, Nothing that I've seen so far has deterred me from that. And the fact that Germany are ranked outside the top 10, no one is talking about them, makes me think, just makes me think, 
this is a side that has been constructed specifically for this tournament by Hansi Flick. Forget what happened in the Nations League. We've already seen that that was irrelevant. This could be a team that could trouble some of the big hitters. Darren, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced by Germany. I think uh, there are issues in midfield. I don't think they've got that that, that commanding midfielder who can take control. I really like France. Um, I, I do agree a European nation could win it, but I think this is one of the first World Cups that I believe is wide open. I think that what we've seen so far is that form coming into this tournament is meaningless, <laughs> given what happened to Argentina. Absolutely. Given that England had won none of their last six that looked as though they'd won all of them <laughs> against Iran. Um and obviously, given what the Saudis did. So, yeah, forget the form. I, I just think that based on what I've seen so far, here's a bold claim from me. First time I've ever felt watching the World Cup that England have a genuine chance of actually winning the entire thing. Wow. And I've never felt that before. Iran were ever. very bad. Very bad. Well, they were very bad. But, you know, listen, who says what... <laughs> Australia were awful, but I bet you were impressed by France last night, weren't you? Well, I, I was. That's why I didn't spend too much time talking about. Them. We know about them. They're, they're there you go. Team. There you go. I hope you're right. Um, I hope you're right, big style, Darren. Uh, Spain, uh, Costa Rica, live on Talksport, four o'clock. Um, now, Crookies give me a little bit of stick about the fact that I thought that Spain. Um, might well be a contender for this World Cup. And uh, I was sitting around the dinner table uh, here at uh, our hotel in Doha and I got widely panned by everybody about the possibility of Spain doing well at this World Cup. Uh, So can anyone make a case for Costa Rica to cause an upset against Luis Enrique's team then? No. Uh, I don't think I gave you stick for Spain. I was surprised that you plucked out Spain as a team that could win it, but um, I didn't really have a a counter-argument. It's not that bold a claim, is it, to say that a European nation could win the World Cup? Because realistically, if you take away Argentina and Brazil, there's <laughs> there's a huge number of European nations who could win it. So statistically, you might you might well be right there, but I don't think that's a particularly bold claim. I didn't say it was a bold claim, but I was going against the grain because everybody else is going to Argentina or Brazil. All I ever hear is it's one of the South Americans, and you know they'll win it because usually it's the team from a continent that host it that win it, but. Obviously, this isn't that's not going to happen this time around. Um, Costa Rica, not the most progressive team, Darren. Um, well, you say that, but I mean, Brian Ruiz is still in the squad. Yeah, but Luka Modric is still in the Croatia squad. Like different in level of talent, I think there. Absolutely, but I think that that right there is part of the reason why teams are getting embarrassed by by some of the bigger nations because we're looking on paper and saying, oh, aren't they good players? They should win that easily. Um, And then realising that there are some countries where players who, if you were to stick them in the top European side and surround them with lots of young players that they don't often play with aren't great. But when they're alongside players that they've played with for a long time for their countries the sum of the parts Mm. comes together in quite an impressive way. So I wouldn't rule out Costa Rica. I look at Spain. They don't have a super striker like they had had done in years gone by, like a Torres or or some of the older uh, vintages. Um, They've got good technical players like Pedri and Gavi and Ansu Fati. 
but they look like a young side in transition, you know, who are going to get better maybe in USA 2026 rather than a side for me that is going to get to the last four. I can't see it. Mm, you don't win anything with kids. Um, Belgium against Canada is live <laughs> on Talk Sport at 7 p.m. Alex Crook behind the mic again, and we're working very hard uh, with uh, Dean Ashton. Um, what do we make of Belgium? Is their squad still the golden generation or is it the old gold? Yeah, I think certainly the latter. Um, I, I read an article uh, on the plane over and the headline was Belgium's last chance to shine. I think that last chance is probably gone, in all honesty. If you're talking about contenders to win this World Cup, I really don't put Roberto Martinez's side in the mix. I think they've got an ageing back line. They've got a problem um, up top where Romelu Lukaku isn't going to be fully match fit or match sharp. And you've got an issue with Edwin Hazard as well, who is, you know, on his day, a fantastic player, but sadly hasn't had too many of those days lately. And again, I actually think Canada could cause them a few problems. They uh, had to play more games in qualifying than any other nation. It's their first World Cup fixture in 36 years. Uh, they've got a English-born coach who's going to have his team really fired up for this. And they have a couple of really good players as well um, in Alfonso uh, Davies and uh, Jonathan David up front as well. So I think this is difficult for Belgium for an opening fixture. I think you're right. I think Canada uh, are going to be uh, at least, if nothing else, incredibly well organised and well coached. And I'm in a hotel, which is um, the base for all the Canadian media. And everybody's very, very excited today. Uh, right. OK, let's move on because there's one other big story in town. Yeah, and that big story that uh, I referred to just before uh, the little break there was uh, about Manchester United. I, I text Crook thinking I'd got an exclusive last night, and I, it, it was an exclusive. I did give you a heads up that Cristiano Ronaldo's contract had been cancelled. I think I probably gave you what? How much of a head start did, did I give you? About four minutes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciated the gesture. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, you know the time between your text and it actually coming out officially was about as quick as the process of actually terminating his contract. Because I'm told this was a very smooth uh, process. Neither party really wanted to get too legal. I think there was a, a very small payoff for Cristiano Ronaldo, but he was happy to walk away. As a free agent, it'll be fascinating to see where he pitches up next with this calibre of super club in the Champions League. Uh, will come calling now that he's available with no transfer fee. But I think it's best for all concerned. It was inevitable, really. I think Eric Ten Hag uh, will be really happy with the outcome. And this is the club backing their manager. What's interesting is obviously we started to get wind a few hours later that the Glazers are now ready to sell Manchester United. And I wonder if that made the process much easier than thinking, well, we're going to sell the club anyway. We're not interested in making more money out of Ronaldo. Let him go. I'm not sure that's the case. And call me a cynic, Darren, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but this is how I look at it. When Ronaldo joined the club, the share price jumped 9% in seconds. They sold an inordinate number of shirts. Like You would not believe the amount of money they raised in the first few days after Ronaldo signed. The 9% jump in share, in share price earned them £300 million in the 24 hours after Ronaldo signed. When he left, they then intimated they might be happy to sell just hours afterwards and the share price jumped 17%. Was that indication, and it was just an indication that they were looking for a bit of investment and possibly the overall sale of the club, 
just a ruse to ensure that the share price didn't dip significantly? That's a really interesting theory. Um, the only problem with it is that it wasn't a straightforward. The statement basically covered all of the bases. It didn't just say, oh, we might sell. It said that they were looking at every single option. So investment, a possible sale, this, that, the other. And there was, I think Crook's right. I think there was so much that was, there, it was such a complete statement that even the, the, the financial analysts looked at it and said, no, they want out. They want out. And I think the interesting thing about that statement was that it follows Liverpool wanting out as well. And you just wonder whether... It's a hard thing to tell because I think as far as the Glaze are concerned, they paid £790 million for it in, what was it, 2007? Majority shareholders is since 2005. Right, since 2005. Um and it hasn't really mattered what has happened at the club. Um, the fans have still not wanted them there. Now, they're businessmen. They probably don't care about what the fans think anyway, as long as the money's coming in. And they've leveraged a club, and everyone knows about the story, taking money out of it. I just think that they're looking at what is needed to keep pace with the biggest clubs in the country, Liverpool and Manchester City, and now Arsenal resurgent as well, and realising we don't want to put any more money into the club. We just want to continue taking money out. And so now might might be the right time to cash in. They're talking about £5 billion for it. It'll be a magnificent return on their investment. Yeah, I can see this happening. And I can see it happening fairly quickly. Rain, you will know Rain, uh, uh, Sam, from they, they did the sale with Chelsea. The Merchant Bank, uh, yeah. After Rambridge. Yeah. Um, they are getting involved as well. I, I, I think this is going to happen. And I, I would suggest it's going to happen fairly quickly. One of the things I sort of thought as well, walking out of the game yesterday in Lusail, was the idea that if, a, if if the Saudis have already bought one club, the, the appetite to buy another may well certainly emerge after what happened yesterday. Um, a lot of Middle Eastern money already in football, certainly maybe a lot more to come. It's been suggested to me that maybe the Qataris might be interested in trying to buy uh, Manchester United. That's something that has been in the offing for a little while, should it become available. Maybe that is going to be what happens next. So um, I think that's a, a wait and see and watch, but Manchester United never out of the news for very long. And I thought it was rather interesting as well. And again, call me cynical, Alex. Uh, but uh, Ronaldo announcing his departure, Manchester United announcing the departure of Ronaldo <laughs> um, last night means that today there is a match day minus one press conference in which the manager and captain of Portugal will, will sit and take questions from the world's media. I wonder how well attended that press conference is going to be. And I wonder how many <laughs> questions there are going to be on Portugal in that. Well, Darren and I are both planning on heading to it. Um, <laughs> There's a surprise. Have they got a big enough room, Darren, at the, at the media centre? Because this is going to be standing room only, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But then again, you know, to be fair, for Infantino's press conference last Saturday, I think everybody was there and there was still room to get more people in. So I would imagine this will be the entire um, Portuguese contingent, you would imagine, would be there. But also, you know, other new, you cannot not be at this press conference. It's one of the biggest stories. And we're only, what, into day three? Day, yeah, day three of the World Cup. We've been here for a week. We've had some huge stories, but this is right up there with the biggest. What time's that press conference, by the way? We should keep an eye on it. Uh, 2.45 local time. So that is 
That is 11.45 UK time. Yeah, OK. So it's, so it's about an hour and 15 minutes before uh, Germany versus Japan, which is one o'clock, which is where I am heading uh, in the next few minutes. It looks like we've all got a very, very busy day today. Um, thank you very much, Darren Lewis, for your time and Alex Crook for taking time out from the Budweiser party to join us. Um, we appreciate that. <laughs> Alex hasn't told you that the reason he went to the Budweiser party is because he thought the beer was going to be free and then he got there and he had to pay for it so he didn't actually have that much to drink because <laughs> he's the tightest man in Qatar. I didn't actually have that much to drink because I knew I had a busy day today but the fact it wasn't free helped with that decision. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, I'm sure it was all to do with your professionalism. Um, Alex Crook will be back on the podcast tomorrow morning when you wake up. Kwaku Afari will be here as well. Darren, we'll see you later in the week. We appreciate it. Uh, this is the Game Day World Cup podcast from Talk Sport. Remember to tell your friends about us. It's worth having a bite-sized listen every single morning over breakfast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.